hello, all you sexy things. Yeah, you know that's right. Welcome back to the special holiday seasonal series of... Red Movie Rama! And when I say special, I mean special, because we even got special guests for this one. Oh, and I, and I know who it is. Well, well, of course you do. So not only is this going to be a totally awesome movie, but it's going to be a very, very special episode because I ended up getting court psyops to come on the show, which if anybody knows what's recently happened, we've had some, some issues back in the day, and it kind of was miscommunicated, and we had some things that uh, got out of hand, but the only way to fix this is to have him come on the show, so special movie, special guest, special episode. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, my enemy, my partner, Court Psyops, what's up, man? Hello, and welcome to Rad Movie Rama Guest Spot. Holy smokes, that's better than my introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the voice of one court psyops, one very hot-tempered gentleman who will not take the slightest slight without holding a grudge for eternity. But I, as well, got a hold of me. We we hashed it out, and uh, I think uh, I think we're going to be good now. I, I, you know, we're talking Reanimator. All all we really need to do is just like I don't know, get drunk and listen to the Ramones, and I'm sure it'll repair it. So, yeah, we decided to get together and, and not necessarily bury the hatchet, but bury the shovel, if you're a fan of this movie. And uh, we're going to have an absolute blast with this one. And uh, in order to tell us about the ins and outs of this movie, take it away, Rick. Reanimator is a 1985 horror comedy movie directed by Stuart Gordon. Loosely based on the H.P. Lovecraft's classic horror tale, Herbert West is a young scientist who has a good head on his shoulders and another one on the lab table in front of him. Starring Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West, Bruce Abbott as Dan Kane, Barbara Crampton as Megan Halsey, David Gale as Dr. Carl Hill, and Robert Sampson as Dean Halsey. And there's also the director's wife and an Arnold Schwarzenegger stunt double. Back to you guys. All right, Court, what do you say? Let's get into this thing. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to talk about this flick. All right. So, hey, before we get started, how about this? When, when When's the first time you saw this movie? Um, New Year's Eve when I had just turned 12. My wow. girlfriend at the time's father rented this for everyone to watch on New Year's Eve, not realizing what was going to be happening <laughs> in it. And uh, yeah. I may not have kept the girlfriend, but I kept this movie in my heart. You know what I'm saying? Well, your, your status of coolness just went way up because you had a girlfriend when you were 12. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my first girlfriend, my first kiss, uh, my, my first love, and she destroyed me, and she's the reason I hate blondes, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm oversharing. I'm sorry. There's so yes. many people here, it makes me nervous. <laughs> They're not paying any attention, trust me. Uh, oh, good, good. So, yeah, kind of the same story, except there was no girl involved, but uh, I was right at 15, 
saw this movie, was absolutely blown away, grabbed the VHS tape of it, and ran to my neighbor's house instantly and said, you gotta see this! <laughs> every poster, every cover art where it's the Herbert West has a great head on his shoulders and yeah. another one in a pan on his desk. It's just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, let's jump into this, man. So, we start off in a hospital in Switzerland. We're standing outside of a door and you hear a guy screaming and the cops show up. And when they get in there, we see a guy named Herbert West. And he's holding down a guy named Dr. Gruber. And he's laying on the ground and he's like convulsing. And he jumps up and blood's like coming out of his mouth. And then his head turns like beet red and like it's going to explode. Then his eyes pop out of his head, man. <laughs> what a great effect. That looks so good. And it's that's the opening of the flick. And of course, he dies. And then they say, oh, you, you killed him. And Herbert says, no, I gave him life. Cue Richard Band score like a mother, which is basically just psycho played in reverse. Right. Yeah. Which is, and I've got it. It's it's one of my favorite opening credits to any movie ever. I can sit there and just eat popcorn and just watch the opening credits, and I'm just happy. Yeah. The the really weird like '80s vibrant neon like glow yeah. type colors that they do with these old school anatomical drawings from medical journals and stuff and how it moves yeah. around to the music and bounces it's so cool it's yeah. such a great idea so uh, after those credits we go to an american hospital we meet dan kane not dean kane not not superman but uh dan kane and he's performing cpr on a lady who's flatlining and there's a whole team of doctors there they're trying to resuscitate the lady and the doctor finally says uh, that's it there's nothing else we can do but dan doesn't give up he just keeps on performing CPR on her, and then the doctor just says, hey, you need to knock it off. So he didn't want to give up on her. This uh, whole hospital sequence where Dan's not wanting to give up, it sets up Dan's character of not accepting the fact that death is the end and not wanting to lose a single patient, yeah. which you can't be a doctor and do. But I also wanted to point out this whole entire ER sequence, Carolyn Purdy is the doctor right. who um, is trying to talk him out of it and just accept the death. That's Stuart Gordon's wife, wife. in real life. Yeah. Also, one other really cool fact, Stuart Gordon and his theatrical troupe were involved in creating the play called ER, which would eventually get developed into the TV series. And a lot of the actors that were involved in that and the, the connections that they've had from doing that medical-based, ER-based drama, which was ER, in the theater, got them access to this type of equipment much easier because they were basically using some of that same stuff from that set. Yeah. And also, I heard that just because of that situation, too, they got a lot of better background on, like, special effects for, like, you know, blood pooling up in certain part of the body, bodies and stuff. So they had a lot of insight on what this stuff really looks like. And, yeah, the lividity of the dead that are just laying there, how it, yeah. how it pulls up and turns purple. Everything is so accurate to medical fact that it is not only disturbing and gross... But it just adds another layer that you don't get in a lot of the other zombie films because a lot of the people are making guesses at it outside from the folks that, you know, like when Tom Savini's on set because he's seen a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, but this this is one of the first ones that did that, man. But not to be fooled, not we're going to say that everything's accurate in this movie because <laughs> it's going to get crazy. It's a comedy and sci-fi movie more than anything else with a whole bunch of elements of horror thrown in over time. Yeah. So we kind of get an, the everyday life of an orderly, you know, the typical day at the hospital where you're pushing bodies into the meat locker and you're watching a guy using a freaking laser to burn a hole in a cadaver skull and run a, like a foot long Q-tip down in it, man, to get samples. 
<laughs> why, why was that laser whirling like a fucking dental drill? That's what I don't understand. I don't know, but I love it. I was like, I want one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool, yeah. <laughs> and it seems at this point that the morgue is the place to hang out because out of nowhere we meet Dean Halsey. He's pretty much in charge of the hospital, and yeah, he's Dean Halsey. There you go. This is a teaching hospital for Miskatonic University or whatever university, yeah. which should be Miskatonic from the books. Right. Or from, I should say, the H.P. Lovecraft story because it was printed in a magazine. So he would be the dean of that school, and this is the teaching hospital for Miskatonic, which makes it that much more horrifying. Right. <laughs> so he introduces Dan to dum, 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 Herbert West, who just magically pops up in the corner and uh so now we're getting to meet dan and herbert together because you know again it's just the the cool place to be <laughs> that's where i like to hang out i mean it may seem like it's always dead in there but that's how i prefer it it's always kind of cool though <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place to chill out because there's not a lot of people around and you know you can just go about your business and it's dead in there well, what the heck, since we're already here, let's go ahead and meet all the other characters in this movie. Because uh, all of a sudden we meet Dr. Carl Hill. He's the uh, top brain surgeon and the proprietor of the hospital. And uh, Herbert walks up to him and says, yeah, I know Dr. Carl's work very well. And he pretty much just tells him it's just a bunch of garbage. <laughs> Herbert West comes out of the corner throwing shade like a mother at that doctor. He basically <laughs> accuses him of plagiarism and then says that all the ideas that he stole are the bad ideas that have already been disproven. So what's the point of even going after him for it? Yeah, he even says, uh, I find your work uh, interesting. Yeah, he is so caroning all over that doctor. And uh, right after this scene, we get to meet the last character that we need to make this movie happen, and that's Megan. And that's uh, Dean Halsey's daughter that uh, Dan happens to be the love interest of. And... Uh, we meet her out in the hallway because Dan is posting uh, that he's needing a roommate out in the hallway in the hospital. Who shows up wanting the room? You got it. Herbert West, y'all. Yeah, if you're going to let out a room in a haunted town that's filled with all sorts of nasty stuff, you know the main character that's going to be a bad guy. He's going to rent your room. But Herbert comes into the house, looks around, and like I said, he's just really cold and kind of creepy. He's very matter-of-fact. And uh, he loves that the place has a basement that he can use for his studies. So he's totally interested. Pulls out a wad of cash, hands it to Dan, and uh, Megan really doesn't like it at all. But you know what? Money talks. If this were my show, we'd be talking about the nude scene that we just had with Barbara Crampton and thank the movie. Oh, yeah, because that's hot. Yeah, it is. It's so hot. Yeah. We get to see plenty of Barbara Crampton later on. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> No, no, you, you totally got it that. I, I, I totally understand that. I just am so in love with Barbara Crampton that I had to mention how grateful I am to have her in this movie. So from here, we cut to the gruesome autopsy class where Dr. Hill is using a bone saw to open up a skull and pull out a brain. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to pull some brains out. And uh, Herbert is there, and again, he just doesn't agree with some of Dr. Hill's philosophies about how long the brain can continue functioning after death. And while Dr. Hill is lecturing, Herbert starts just snapping pencils in revolt at the end of the class. And Dr. Hill recommends that Herbert gets himself a pen. I always love that line. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I really dig that. This sequence is really interesting because we were talking about anatomically correct special effects. And this brain autopsy, wow. until I knew for sure from one of the 
one of the commentaries or something along those lines that it wasn't effect. I thought they'd used actual brain autopsy footage for it because I've seen movies that have done that. Yeah. It looks that realistic and gross and it's so well done. Pretty nasty. Yeah. So not only does he hate Herbert West, but we find out that Dr. Hill is pretty much enchanted with Megan as well. And while he's eating a meal with Dean Halsey, he pretty much says everything except, hey, I'd like to bounce her on my lap a good 50 or 60 times. But Dean doesn't really care because Dr. Hill just gave him a whole bunch of money. And guess what? Money talks. Well, there's that. And they dropped a subplot that you can see in like the integral or extended cut or whatever it's released as where they put a bunch of footage back in that was cut out. Where they were setting up that Dr. Hill, like, had some kind of, like, brain hypnosis, contr- <laughs> like, like mind control brain hypnosis type thing that he would be able to talk to somebody and immediately take over their will. And that's how they set up that he was able to do something later on involving right. controlling other creatures and people and things. And he's been doing this to Halsey for a long time, it seems like. That's how he gets things done. Well, that's probably also, if you think about it. How he's able to get all the credit and or funding that he's getting, he's probably forcing people to give him funding using this brain trick thing that he has. So we cut away back to Dan's house, and Megan and Dan are on the couch, and they're talking about just how weird Herbert is and how the cat stays in hiding whenever he's around. And uh, then she just uh, realizes that the cat is nowhere around, and she starts snooping around the house looking for Rufus. Shaka Khan in it. I don't think that's right. Also, I don't think that's really Randy Newman. Calm down, Randy. You'll be all right. Anyways, Megan finds the cat, and it's in Herbert's room in the refrigerator. And he's uh, he's pretty much a cat sickle at this point. And Herbert busts in and wonders why everybody's hanging out in his room. And uh, he doesn't like people in his room, he tells them. And then well, Megan he ag- was renting a private room, and he thought he was going to get his privacy. And they're snooping around in his illegal fridge. Or at least his fridge filled with illegal reanimation fluid and a dead cat. Good point. But Megan accuses him of killing the cat. And uh, he says he found it dead and it it got its head stuck in a fruit jar or some excuse like that. And uh, the refrigerator is a good place for safekeeping. Uh, He's kind of lying through his teeth. (laughs) Just a little. Yeah, and Meg's not buying it. No, not one bit. Later on that night, Dan is sleeping and he wakes up to the sound of loud screeching. And it's coming from the basement, so he goes down there and finds Herbert is fighting something, and it ends up being old Rufus that he's fighting. This sequence is a little, a, a little hokey. Uh, the puppet is so obviously a puppet now. It probably was obviously a puppet on film back then, if you saw it in a theater, actually. Uh, but it's funny, and the actors do a great job of selling it, even though <laughs> it's corny as hell. Well, you know, he's got it strapped to his back. You can tell it's just <laughs> it's just like a stuffed animal that he's holding on his back so he can sling it around and you get the swinging light back and forth. It's it's really effective and to think that they're they're swinging at things that are not there. You know, they're hitting things with baseball bats and stuff even though it's just pans and stuff. There's no cat running around. That's where it works better with the cat noises and them just going after it. It's when it's stuck <laughs> to his back and then when they reanimate it after they kill it the second time where it's like really obviously fake. 
but yeah. the actors do a great <laughs> job of selling it and it's corny and hokey and fun. And the way the lights going through the basement, you know, where it's swinging back yeah. and forth. So all these long shadows get created and then destroyed. And you think you see the cat moving almost here and there. They do a great job with that part. It's yep. just when it's stuck to his back, that it looks really bad. But anyways, they kill the cat again. And Dan doesn't understand or what has happened. How did you, you could, there's no way you brought that cat back to life. He was probably, you know, just asleep, whatever. So Herbert shows him that he's dead now, injects him with his reagent and Rufus comes alive again, but uh, he's just a really bad puppet at this point. He's really flattened too. They stomp the hell out of that cat to kill it the, <laughs> next, the second time. And it obviously hurts for it to be reanimated this time. It's not happy at all. Right. And speaking of not happy, Megan comes busted in and sees Rufus laying there and she runs out of the room screaming and Dan chases after her and then Megan says, Look, I've looked at this I looked at Herbert's files in the hospital and man, this guy is not a good person. And uh Dan's like, Yeah, you know what? I've just seen some incredible stuff, so he's still gonna be my roommate for a while. Well, this is the pinnacle of Dan wanting to defeat death and to keep people from dying. And not accepting that they're going, he's going to lose patience. Yeah. If Herbert West gives him an out to where he doesn't have to lose a patient and they can make this reanimation fluid work, he totally yeah. is going to do that. It's just in his big old heart, or at least that's how they're trying to sell it. Yeah. That he never wants to lose a patient. So I, they did a great job setting it up at the start. And here's the payoff for it. This is why he keeps going along with all the shit he works with, with Herbert for from here and even into the second movie with Bride. So we cut to the next day, and uh, Dan goes into Dean Halsey's office, and he's trying to tell him all this incredible stuff he just seen. But you got to remember, Dean Halsey's been kind of brainwashed by Dr. Hill, and he's got it in his head that Dan's dating his daughter for all the wrong reasons. He's just wanting to get a scholarship from the school. And uh, he ends up kicking Dan and Herbert out of, the, out of the hospital and the school. But that doesn't really stop those two because... Uh, They've still got bigger plans. I guess they figured out if if we go in here and we can show that this stuff works, then they'll keep us in the school, I guess. Well, they have to have some kind of a point of no return for them to go this far overboard and decide to do what they're about to do. Yeah. Yeah. Overboard. That's <laughs> that's a slight word for that. Because they sneak into the morgue and they find the perfect specimen to try to bring back. And uh, while they're looking around at the bodies... Dean Halsey's looking for them because he finds out that they are kind of sneaking around and he finds out they're in the morgue. So he's heading down towards the morgue. And that's when Her Herbert injects the reagent into the body. And that's really going to lead us up into a very special movie fight night. Welcome back to Movie Fight Night. I'm your host, Doc Egan, and we have an incredible matchup for you this evening. Unfortunately, my regular co-host, Jimmy the Claw, couldn't be with us today. He had a very unfortunate accident yesterday at uh, Taco Bell, but I'm sure he'll be bouncing, bouncing back in action really soon. So to fill that gap, we have a special guest announcer who's made quite a name for himself, winner of three Spendy Awards. Please make welcome, Court. How's it going, Court? I in no way was already here in the morgue for nefarious reasons. 
I totally came to fill in as your special guest announcer and color commentator. I'm doing excellent, and I'm chilling out. It's kind of dead in here tonight, though. Yes, it is. Well, we are glad to have you. And I do have to say this is another unusual setting. It's uh, kind of the trend that happens here. Uh, we're down here in Massachusetts at the hospital in the morgue. So uh, I don't really expect much crowd noise. What do you think about that, Court? It's totally dead in here, as I already said, Doc. And uh, we're just waiting for the bell to ring. And they're off. And the corpse they've injected is jumping off the table. And boy, is he a big guy. Maybe they should have picked somebody a little smaller there, Court. I'm thinking that the perfect specimen may have been a bit bigger than what they were anticipating at first. Perhaps the reanimation fluid pumped him up. Absolutely. He looks like he could be a body double for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, this guy's totally a stunt double for him. Whoa, and listen to that Charles Band pounding away on that keyboard over there in the corner. I hate to do this to you, Doc, but that's actually Richard Band. Well, Charles Band, Richard Band, doesn't matter. Their band sucks. Oh, just because he plays Psycho backwards, that's not called for. And man, this walking corpse, he's just tossing these balls around like they don't weigh anything. This guy is literally a monster. I'm thinking he could probably curl each of the gentlemen with one arm, no problem. Uh, tossing them both at the same time is nothing. I think you're absolutely right, Court. And here comes Dean Halsey. He looks really pissed. And he's uh, he's just yelling through the door, Court. Well, uh, we're... You think he would just use the handle? Is the door locked, or is he just that dense? I have no idea, Doc. It's unbelievable. Now we have Dan with his back to the door trying to get out, and Dean Halsey on the other side of the door trying to get in. Oh, and Zombie Schwarzenegger runs to the door with both fists to kill Dan, but Dan moves out of the way, and the door flies off his hinges and lands right on top of Dean Halsey. Oh, that's going to ruin his momentum. Sure will, Court. I don't think the doc's going to be able to handle this. He's throwing everything he's got at him, including his flappy penis that you wish was still in the shadows. Well, I know that this doc can handle it. By handle it, do you mean like handle it, or <laughs> do you mean like put up with it? And Zombie Schwarzenegger climbs on top of the door and tries to make a hamburger patty out of Dean Halsey. Oh, I do believe his brains are getting squished out there. He's not going to have a lot of spitfire left in him after this one. And it seems like Zombie Arnold's forgotten all about our tag team. It's just decided to take all of its rage out on Dean Halsey now. It's really bizarre because the match actually started as a tag team versus a titan. And now their manager is interfering and now he wants to take out the manager? He's really upset about that. He sure is. He picks him up and holds him against the wall like a small child. But Dean is trying to fight back. And Dean, for some reason, puts his fingers in the zombie's mouth. And Oh, that's not a good idea. He just bit his fingers right off court. That's grotesque, but also quite arousing. Hey, uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, you'll have to take that part out. Okay, and now the zombie commando takes Dean Halsey and throws him against the wall on the other side of the room. Now that's some crazy reanimated strength for you there, Court. I gotta say, I don't think Dean Halsey's gonna walk away from this alive. If he does, he ain't gonna be right for the rest of the movie. I think you're correct. Dean Halsey's completely out of it. The lights are fading, but the corpse is still not satisfied and still just taking his rage out on him. Come this is grotesque. The man's already dead. Just let him be. Oh, here comes Dan and Herbert looking pretty shaken at what's happening. Dean Halsey has to be dead by now. I don't know what they're going to do to save him. This is grotesque. It's grotesque. Yeah, they've got 
trying to come up with a plan here. Dan proceeds to give some axe chops across the back of the big beast, and uh, he acts like he don't even feel it at all. They're bouncing off that dense muscle in such a way that I find quite sexy. Uh, okay, and here comes Herbert West, though. He's got a plan. He's uh, swept out the old bone saw. This could get messy, Court. This is the kind of mess I can get behind, Doc. <laughs> this is why I hang out in the morgue. Well, he's pulling the big man back, and uh, Herbert rams the bone saw through the, the guy's back, and it comes out his front of his chest, leaving the man wholehearted, or a hole where his heart used to be. That fight ended with a brutal punch through the chest. Well, wait just a minute, though. It's not over yet. Dan and Herbert grab Dean Hall, see what's left of him, and they throw him up on a gurney. And it looks like they're going to inject him as well. Not a good idea, Court. This plan is not going to pay off the way that they're expecting. Not at all, Doc. Well, and there you go. His eyes are opening back up. He sure is a bloody mess. This is so a bad choice, Doc. His first reaction is to grab both the guys and pick them up by their necks like he's going to do a double power slam on them. These choke slams doubled up. Not even The Undertaker can do that in his later career. Very that's, impressive for Dean Halsey. That's a massive strength. It's got to be that reagent, right? This is giving superhuman strength to these reanimated corpses. I am totally on, on board with you there, Court. Well, it looks like uh, more people are showing up. Here comes Megan, and she yells at her dad, who's now a zombie, to put everybody down. And he runs in the corner and cowers down like a baby. It's really amazing the power that Meg's voice has over men. I know it's working for me, Doc. Yada, yada. I got to agree with you, Court. This is definitely not the Dean Halsey that we know and love, though. Uh, oh, and here comes the security guard. Back from taking a dump and staring at a porno mag. I could party with this dude. Well, we don't have time to party, Court. I think it's time for us to get out of here because it's getting a little crowded. So I think it's time we grab that bone saw and cut our way out of here. That sounds amazing. Let's do that. Folks, we'll see you next time right here on Movie Fight Night. So now we've got total chaos because Dean Halsey is now a zombie and the two main characters could be held accountable for any number of things at this point. And Dan also has to figure out a way to tell Megan that, uh, you know, about the bad news about her dad. Sorry, your dad's deadish. Yeah, that's not a real <laughs> conversation you want to have with your girlfriend. Yeah, have some more pie. Oh, by the way, your dad's dead. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> we brought him back. It's kind of like that book, Pet Cemetery. Have you read it? Yeah, you're not going to be happy. You're right. <laughs> and according to what version of this movie that you have or you've seen, uh, we find out here that Herbert's been doing small doses of the reagent on himself to keep him sharp. Yeah, he like thins it out with like a saline solution or something like that, and he makes yeah. it so he doesn't have to sleep. So he's a reagent junkie on top of all this other stuff. No wonder he's so manic and crazy about it. He's like hooked on the sauce, man. Yeah, absolutely. To the point that he's shaking so bad, Dan has to actually inject him because he can't even hold everything still long enough to get it in there. So, yeah, man. <laughs> it's 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 just a general rule. If your friend asks you to shoot them up with intravenous drugs because they can't do it because they're so shaky, maybe you should yeah. force them into rehab. So, meanwhile, Dr. Hill now has custody of Dean Halsey, and he's got him in a padded cell that's linked to his office. And he's trying to get Megan's permission to do exploratory surgery and find out what happened to Dean. And then he gets really creepy, and he tries to hypnotize Megan. 
and basically says things like, hey, if you ever need a little something-something, give me a shout. But uh, luckily, right when he's getting close to her, her uh, dead, demented father hits his head on the glass, and it kind of breaks the trance, and uh, it wakes her up a little bit, startles her, and then she uh, she doesn't give him permission, and uh, that doesn't stop him. He still does some research anyways. And Dr. Hill finds out that Dean Halsey is actually dead. When uh, Barbara Crampton is acting as distraught, upset, and crying, especially in this sequence where she's just so vulnerable and sad, she does this so well that you just want to reach out and offer Meg a hug if she would like one, just to try and soothe her in some way, because she's just so emotionally destroyed. She has no idea what's going on. She's so confused, and her dad's just done a 180 from how she just saw him before he went down to the morgue to confront these guys and it may or may not be her boyfriend's fault and you just want to comfort her so much not just because barbara crampton's amazing and i love her but because she's doing such a good job and meg seems so distraught yeah man she's hot uh yeah she absolutely is but i mean when she's crying you need to think more along the lines of making her feel better not hot crying chicks need to feel better that's hot (laughs) i give up i have to say man I really have to hand it to the guy playing Dean Halsey. Because she's talking about somebody that's getting to play a wide spectrum in one movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody's just bringing their A game. For this being like a really low budget, just gore fest, comedy sci-fi with horror elements sprinkled in like this. I mean, David Gale, who plays Dr. Hill, is ripping oh, yeah. up the scenes. Yeah. Robert Sampson just totally goes all over the place. He's playing like this super genius kind of Dean guy, you know, real smart, got his great head on his shoulders. And then he just turns into this subhuman <laughs> animalistic creature. And the way he bashes his head against the glass oh, in that yeah. scene, yeah, it really makes you think like, dude, you're going to hurt yourself. Like in real life, just chill. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, man. He, I mean, he went all out for that role, man. I just going back and rewatching this again. It's like, man, you got to give that guy credit, man, because he, he's bringing it for sure. <laughs> yeah, Robert Sampson really freaking sells it as a reanimated person. Uh, the, the range of emotions that he gives that character, even after he's reanimated, and all of his mental faculties are obviously regressed from being dead and then coming back. Right. And yet he responds to his daughter's fear of him by crying. And yeah. whenever he senses his daughter may be in trouble, even though he can't see her in that cell, he still slams his head on the mirror and somehow saves her. Right. So awesome. They did such a good job with that. Absolutely, man. And speaking of uh, flipping the script, this is where Dr. Hill, like I said, he just found out that Dean Halsey's dead. So he makes a trip to Herbert's place, and uh, he just shows up in the basement somehow. I don't know if he knocked on the door. or <laughs> He just walks in the basement, and he doesn't notice him down there. I I've always kind of wondered about that. I think that he is all hopped up on the diluted reagent burning the midnight oil. Ah. And that's where Dr. Hill was able to sneak in. Bruce Abbott's or Dean Kane is or Dean. Yeah. Listen to me. Dan Kane <laughs> is, is probably off trying to find Meg or console Meg or, you know, getting drunk to feel better about what he just did. Right. And, or, or he's asleep. I think maybe Dan is asleep. And Herbert doesn't seem like the type to think about locking a door, hence his private room being entered without any provocation. Yeah. And I'm thinking Dan was still in shock, so he probably didn't think about locking it. Dr. Hill probably just walked in. Just strolled in, man. 
Yeah, and he, and I'm it would it's implied or at least I always thought that he went through the rest of the house and looked around and just kind of spied about place and everything and then eventually ended up in the basement because he couldn't find what he was looking for anywhere else. And the movie just shortcuts it by showing him show up in the basement. They should have cut to him like going upstairs and sniffing Dan's sheets. <laughs> oh, that's just creepy. <laughs> oh, but he totally the, would do that. The that's rest a, of that's this is total... not creepy, though. <laughs> well, the stuff at the end gets really, really creepy. But I yeah. want to pretend like he lets go because he yeah. is. Well, there's a, there's a reason why he when when we get there, we'll, we'll talk about it. Right. more. But I think it's. I think he gets more demented once he gets into the state that he ends up in oh. at the end of this scene. Yeah, this is just about to happen because he he threatens Herbert to steal all of his ideas and discoveries as his own. And while Dr. Hill is distracted by looking in a microscope, then uh, Herbert cuts his head off with a shovel. Great effects. It's amazing. This was an awesome... Yeah, the, the shovel is awesome <laughs> where it cuts the head off and the way that they have the two stages with it. Yeah. He hits him and knocks him out and then the next scene you see him actually stuff it down the neck. Yeah. And there's the blood gurgling and then he pushes to separate it. Oh, so great. It's fantastic, man. It, it's There's so many scenes like that. This movie is full of scenes. You can see them several times. They'll take their hands and their hands would be so covered in goo, blood and guts and they'll just sling it. This movie's just nasty this was one of the very first like splatter punk real crazy gore fest flicks yeah. this one really pushed the envelope to the point where there was no way that they could release it on like as as anything other than unrated i mean an r-rated version of this film is the reason why there's the other stuff that got added right. back in eventually with that subplot all the gore and everything that they had to take out, it really kind of takes away from a lot of the effect of the movie because it's just so gross yeah. and so realistic. While everything else is so fantastical and weird and and just kind of like the sci-fi fantasy and horror, the gore is so down to earth and realistic that it feels like there, there's really reanimated corpses there, but at the same time, it's so over the top that you feel safe. It's like this double yeah. level thing. Right. reality over, over top of this unrealistic purpose of a film. Yeah, and how gross you say it? Well, what happens next is uh, Herbert decides to uh, inject the uh, the body and the head that's uh, laying around just because he's never tried that with parts before. <laughs> he, just, he says something about animating whole parts right? because he wants to see what happens, yeah. Yeah, so Dr. Hill's head is now in a dish on his desk, which is, like Court was saying earlier, it's pretty much on every poster that's out there or T-shirt. And uh, Herbert's just sitting there and tapping the head with a pencil, and he wakes up. (laughs) And Herbert is studying the reactions. And uh, what he doesn't notice is while Dr. Hill's head is talking to him, which he only says two words... You bastard. No, he says West, you bastard. So his name in two words. Yeah. Three words. You bastard. (laughs) And then his headless body. The gurgly noises. Oh, yeah. The gurgly noises David Gale does in this is just so amazing. Yeah. And while he's yelling at Herbert, then his headless body comes up behind Herbert and grabs him and just slams his head down on the desk and knocks him out. And then uh, Dr. Hill's body grabs the head still in the pan. And grabs the reagent and then all of Herbert's notes and gets the hell out of there. 
so this is what I was talking about. Having West chop off his head and then reanimate him in pieces. He has the ability to control minds with his own through psychic or hypnosis or whatever it is that they're setting up. But it seems like being reanimated, he can control his body telepathically with his head. And so he's going to steal Herbert's serum and do whatever with it. But he's also clearly not the same Dr. Hill. It's made him even more evil. It seems like the reanimation, they lose part of their soul whenever they're brought back. Or at least whoever they were is gone. That's why I was making the reference to Pet Cemetery. It's very much like yeah. that, where you come back, but it's not you. It's just your body, and then there's something else there. But they end up makes a certain power that you have even greater. So that's what's interesting about all this. Just like the hypnosis thing becomes even stronger with his being reanimated. Yeah, that's it's the- like supercharged with the reanimation because whatever you lose in your humanity you gain in this weird sort of supernatural very sci-fi thing about whatever this reanimation fluid does that gives you these powers or amplifies your natural strength or your natural being uh and and dean halsey being a backward and kind of i guess the term i'm looking for is old-fashioned kind of guy everything becomes so outlandish and too much for him to be able to handle and he's outraged at everything and shocked at everything and kind of scared of everything because that's who he really was as a person and it amplified that essence dr hill is a abusive psychotic sex fiend with mind control abilities that becomes the ultimate headless zombie villain (laughs) with those same traits amped up to a nigel tuffington 11 oh absolutely and you're probably asking yourself well where's dan and megan during all this well they're sneaking around dr hill's place because uh, Dan has broke the news to Megan, and she wasn't too happy about it. But they go back to uh, do a little more investigating. And uh, they're afraid that Dr. Hill's going to find out what's going on, which we already know that he does. And while Dan is going through the filing cabinet to get rid of some evidence, uh, Megan goes in to where Dad is, and she finds out that they've used the laser drill on him. So Dr. Hill has given Dean Halsey a lobotomy. Yeah, at least he wasn't a teenager when it happened, right? <laughs> Teenage lobotomy. <laughs> More Ramon's references. Oh, wrong movie, but I get you. <laughs> <laughs> Ramon's reanimator. It all goes hand in hand for Absolutely. me, man. Yeah. So Dan ends up getting back home, and he finds Herbert in a panic because everything's gone. And at the same time, Dr. Hill is getting back to his office, which they were earlier so it's like they just missed each other on the highway they passed each other i guess i'm trying to figure out how dr hill drove home (laughs) i'm thinking he put his head on the dash and then his body just sat in the seat right turn right (laughs) you idiot i said right And we do get a lot of comic relief right here with the body stumbling around in the, in his office. And it goes through the little mini fridge and pulls out a, 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 a bucket of blood, basically a canister of blood, and pours it into the dish that the head is in so it doesn't dry out. I was like, how does it capillary action all of that blood up into the head <laughs> without the heart pumping it in there? Like, right. You'd have to turn the head upside down and then have the pan like drip it down in. And then I'm like, Court, this is a movie about reanimated corpses. You're thinking too hard about this. Just push the I believe button and be be happy. Exactly. This is where Aswell gets tripped up all the time. It's a movie. <laughs> and a thumping good one, I'd wager. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Hill's 
telepathy skills have gotten a whole lot stronger with the reagent. Now, because he gave Dean Halsey the, the lobotomy, he sends Dean Halsey out to go get Megan and bring her back to the hospital. While Dean Halsey's out doing that, the doctor is at the hospital at the morgue, and he's building himself a reanimated army with uh, all the dead bodies that are in the morgue. So he's he's having fun. This gets really weird and creepy really freaking fast. Yeah. Uh, he's been doing this surgery and setting all of this up, and he's using his knowledge of the brain as well as his power to create mind-controllable zombies. This, ugh. Yeah, and, and they're all bent to this perverted, sick bastard's will. That's what makes it even creepier, because he's rapey and gross. <laughs> yeah, he is. And, of course, you know, obviously they're all naked, so that uh, adds to the effect as well. <laughs> well, that's accurate. That's how they store you in the morgue, man. Not me. That's how they store a dead body at the morgue. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, uh, let's hope you never have to go to a morgue then. That's the plan. I plan to spontaneously combust. <laughs> anyway, so, so you, go ahead. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Your plan is to self-cremate out of the blue spontaneously? Absolutely. That's doable, right? Just takes a can of gasoline or something? I, I, it's hot. <laughs> that's hot. It really is. I mean, that's the only way you're going to burn up that well. Anyways, back to the movie before we get too scientific up in here. Dean Ozzy brings an unconscious Megan to the morgue and Dr. Hill's body... Straps her down to the table and rips her clothes off. And he starts uh, fondling her. Yeah. See, this can't be a thank you movie sequence because this is not consent. There's no consent. Meg does not want any of this. As much as those of us can enjoy seeing Barbara Crampton naked, we can't enjoy this sequence because it's very rapey and gross and makes you feel extremely uncomfortable when you're 12 years old sitting next to your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, a bit. <laughs> yeah, the fear boner this was giving me did not impress her. Not because of the stature of it, mostly because she was grossed out that I got turned on by this. <laughs> fear boner. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so if if you think that's bothersome, and uh, if that's not weird enough, then uh, the body picks up uh, Doctor Hill's head, and uh, the head starts licking megan like all over her body oh uh, god her screaming no as he's doing this and trying to push him away yeah Ugh. yeah it's uh quite disturbing and uh right when he's about to get to the naughty bits herbert west pops in the room i love that he keeps saying yes my love even though she's screaming no and he just keeps saying that and he gets closer and closer and they get the severed head so close to the crotch the effects for it are so good you can't tell where you know, the actor's body is supposed to be hiding for almost all of this. They do yeah. such a great job with the coat and everything. Yeah. And then Herbert comes in just right before a full-fledged assault beyond <laughs> groping happens. <laughs> and, and that's the thing about it is you're so wrapped up in what's going on and just how wrong it is that you don't notice, just like you said, how well they pull off what you're seeing visually. Yeah, it took several watches before I started looking at how they were doing it and trying to figure out the trickery. Yeah. Most of the time, I'm just squirming in my seat, feeling uncomfortable and awful for poor Barbara Crampton and the character of Megan, of course, obviously. <laughs> what uh, a trooper to do all of that, right? That's kind of oh. what I'm thinking, too. Hey, we're making this little low-budget movie, and we need you to be completely naked, and we're going to force a severed head between your legs. Oh, 
okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, she's totally game for it. She does it. She gives it her all, and she's so good in this movie. Oh, but yeah. So Herbert comes in. Come on, man. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job at Get a sideshow. Get a job at a sideshow. <laughs> I love that line. Oh, man. And what's great is in the sequel, we see he actually did get a job at the sideshow. <laughs> so, yeah, after the confrontation between Dr. Hill and, and uh, Herbert, Dean sneaks in. He's trying to sneak Megan out of there while they're being uh, distracted by Herbert. And uh, then he says that uh, Herbert's got a plan, but the doctor says that he does too. And then as soon as he says that, all these bodies that he's been laser drilling into, they all jump up and start attacking Herbert, Dan, and Megan. Every single time I watch this, I've seen this so many times, probably watched this more than 100 times, probably even more than 125. Yeah. And every single time I watch it, when those bodies pop up, yeah. I, it's totally like a wrestling moment. I pop and it gets me so good. Yep. It's a jump scare that gets me every single time. It's got great timing, man, because it's you're so wrapped in the conversation between the two of them that it just, bam, just hits you. And it's it's so well done. Perfect in time with the rhythm of the way things are going in the conversation that they do it just right. It's synced so perfectly for that jump scare and it catches you completely unaware every time. And I know it's happening and it still gets me. Oh, yeah. And then through all the chaos, the zombies start grabbing Herbert, and they throw him down on the operating table. And Dr. Hill's body starts using the laser drill on him, giving him a lobotomy. And you're thinking, oh, no, they're going to kill Herbert. It's all over but the screaming. Right. But then, just like earlier, you were talking about uh, the power that Megan has over her dad. Uh, She somehow convinces him that now that he understands what she's saying... (laughs) That uh, he has to help help them get away from Dr. Hill. So he starts beating up the zombies and he goes and attacks Dr. Hill. And come on, man. He he grabs Dr. Hill's head and starts squeezing it. Or head the head butting, man. <laughs> I, I think because he's so hard-headed as a zombie or a reanimated corpse, he becomes a head-butting master. <laughs> I, mean, I just can't imagine the director saying, okay, I want you to pick up the, the fake head and just start head-butting it. <laughs> in some of these sequences, too, in the fights, uh, when the zombies are getting attacked and torn apart, like the withered arm burned zombie, yeah. where it was, a, um, the, 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 it was clearly an amputee that they then built up a fake arm on and stuff like that. That's yeah. so incredible and gross. Yeah. The people with the tubes coming out of their bodies. Oh, man. And, and, yeah. And the fights, like whenever the actual bodies are being dismembered or they do something to rip a piece off. They do a lot of stuff in shadow yeah. where it looks like you can see stuff happening on the wall where certain things that they couldn't quite pull off. They do it with a silhouette on the wall instead, which is absolutely gruesome because your mind fills in the blanks yeah. and they already show you so much other gross stuff on top of that, that it just keeps compounding. And this, this part of the film really just beats you down. Like you're worn out by the time this sequence ends. This fight is amazing. It's, it's an incredible just last hurrah for this flick, man, because there's so much going on and so much blood, so much gut, so much naked people running around screaming and, and just reacting. And this also ties into the whole hypnosis thing because when Dean Halsey is squeezing Dr. Hill's head and he screams, all the zombies stop and they all start screaming together like they're all synced up. 
Well, it's pretty much like he supplanted their will and he basically is controlling their bodies and they're all a part of him. It's like they're all living in the sunken place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's riding on top of all of them. And when that happens, then Herbert gets a chance to get away and he grabs two syringes of the reagent and decides the best way to solve this is overdose. He even screams it out. I love that he busts <laughs> the needles off once he's got it all injected, like as a little insult to injury. Right. Just snap. But yeah, he injects Dr. Hill's body with it, overdosing it. And at the same time, Dean is crushing the head and he just slings it. And at that point, the, the security guard has opened the door and said, what the hell is going on in here? <laughs> he, he slings that head. And it's just at this point, it's it's a meatball. I mean, it is, there's nothing left of this thing. And it just splatters on the wall. And you can see it just running down the wall. It's, it's so gross. Yeah, that sequence is so amazing. I just love how the guy comes in screaming, what the hell's going on here? And that's pretty much when it's all over. And then the zombies start to get their will back and they rampage Yeah, right after that happens, which becomes horrifying because at least when they're under Dr. Hill's control, they're not doing anything unless he commands them to. So at least they're under some control. Right. And this is where chaos breaks out, man. Yeah. They, they all, several of them grab Dean Halsey and just rip him apart like a little raggedy and doll i mean one of them grabs his head just rips his head off and this is one of those silhouette shots you were talking about but again you know it's not real but you're totally buying into this right because we've we've shown time and time again the strength these things have so you're not even doubting it at the moment you're like oh yeah they're just ripping him apart well there's that and we've seen so much physical mutilation and so much realistic damage done to human bodies like including burns and uh, grind up pieces and then like the faces all contorted and some of them moving like they're in you know various uh, states of rigor mortis still in the muscles and you see all that lividity where it's pulled up with the the purple blood yeah. and everything else is so realistic that when you get this sequence where they rip them apart in silhouette your mind fills in the blanks because you've already seen all the other horrors that you know what this already looks like and you play it out in your head and it just works so much better that way well talking about realism <laughs> How about the part where Dr. Hill's body is flapping around like the unknown comic and it lands on the ground and its large intestine comes out and it starts wrapping around Herbert. <laughs> See, he overdosed it, so I believe that the sentience of the intestine... No, of course it's fake, but it looks cool and it looks real. Those are like cow guts, too, aren't they? Isn't that a cow intestine? And they animated that around him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure if they're real or not. I, I haven't heard that, but I wouldn't doubt it one bit. <laughs> some of the guts on some of the zombies that were sticking out were real cow guts because they were trying to save some money. Sure. I would hope that for Jeffrey Combs' sake, they did a mold of guts and then that was a latex gut yeah. that wrapped around his face like that. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> the only better reanimated gut foo that I can think of besides this is in Brain Dead slash Dead Alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll save that for another show. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> but yeah, this is where uh, Dan and Megan make a break for it. They run towards an elevator and they get attacked by a zombie and it jumps on Dan and throws him on the ground. He's like sitting on top of Dan and dude's missing like half his face. And Dan just reaches up and rams his head up, hand up in dude's head and like grabs a piece of brain, I guess, and just yanks. And it kills the guy. I Oh, gosh. I watched this on my new 4K projector, and I watched the Second Sight Blu-ray, which is a little brighter so you can see more details. 
than the arrow yeah. scan. And oh my god, that sequence when he pulls that that chunk of whatever that's supposed to be, which I'm guessing is brain. Yeah. Because he reaches in through the bottom half of his face and like his eye socket. Yeah. And I'm guessing he gets into the brain pan. When he pulls that piece out, it's just so realistic looking and gross. I was just kind of like, oh, that's oh that was cool. <laughs> and again, you yeah. get another one of the handshakes here where he just like slings it off of his hand when, he, <laughs> when the body relaxes, I guess. <laughs> right, like he spilled a bunch of ketchup all over his hand and he's just trying to fling it into the trash before he wipes off the remainder, exactly. Uh, so he jumps, Dan jumps back up and he and Megan try to get into the elevator and this is where, out of nowhere, the uh, the burn victim, reanimated zombie, jumps in there with his burnt hand and grabs Megan around the neck, choking her and... I was always blown away by just the burn effect on this. I just always thought it looked incredible. Yeah, they have it like it's withered down to the bone from the burns. And somehow the arm is still able to move with that reanimated strength. And I think the only reason she lasted as long as she did was because it was his withered arm that was choking her. If he would have used his other arm, it probably would have crushed her larynx and... I mean, it's, it takes forever. Dan runs off to grab a fire axe. And then when he when he comes back, he's chopping on that arm for like ages. Well, the thing and poor is, Meg's is, just there dying. Oh, it's so freaking heartbreaking. How about the fact of when he gets the axe and he comes back, he steps back in the elevator. He has to literally get around the guy to come back in the elevator when he could have just hit him in the back from the backside. <laughs> or like gotten rid of his head. He doesn't have the power to control his body once his head is severed. He's not Dean Halsey or a... Uh, Dr. Hill, come on. But he has to jump inside the elevator and start just chopping the dude's arm off. Oh, and it takes forever, and you're so heartbroken. You're just like, come on, save Meg, damn it, save her. And sure enough, man, she's she's about out. And I love it when he's looking at her. You got the arm laying there on the floor, and it's still contracting. It's It's twitching and stuff. It's so gross. (laughs) So gross. But they're in the elevator. It goes downstairs. He's going to the emergency room because she is out. And he takes her in there, throws her in the in the emergency room, and they start doing CPR on her, try to bring her back. And she's gone, man. Megan's gone. I can't believe they did this. Yeah. Oh, it's so heartbreaking, though. I understand why they did it, but this is what makes Reanimator yeah. a cut above all the others because they give you this real tragic, extremely sad ending. And just like the beginning, I mean, he's doing everything he can. He's not wanting to give up and... You know, she's she's just gone. So, uh, what does he do? That's right. He happens to have some of the serum with him because he just happened to bring that bag with him when he left. And he pulls out the serum, and you see him go to inject her in the back of the neck, and the the, the camera fades out to black, and all you see is the the agent, the reagent, which is kind of neon green. It glows in the dark. And you see it go down like it's being injected. Then you hear a scream. And that's the end of the movie, man. And you're just so heartbroken because you know she's back from the dead. And whatever's resulting from that is not good. Oh, you just want to cry all the way through the credits. And that's straight up Pit Cemetery there. Because even if it's not the version that you know and love, you still don't want to give them up. So you're willing to take whatever version you can get, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's so heartbreaking and it's it so is. well done, dude. I so love this movie. So what did y'all think about it? Oh, yeah, man, that movie was great. Awesome, man. Well, that's awesome. 
Court, you got anything else you want to say about this movie, man? Yeah, I think if we can get Aswell to dig reanimator, he might be all right. We might be able to get him to forget about life on the naval base and start living life where he's at now. Just like always, this movie was terrible. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> it's all right. It's tiny steps, you know. He got us to talk again, and I'll, I'll always owe him that, so... Man, I'm super thrilled that we got past everything. You came on here. We talked about this awesome movie. And folks, if you're not listening to, to Cinema PsyOps, as soon as this is done, go check it out. You will not be disappointed. It's one of the best podcasts out there. Oh, come on. It is. <laughs> I work really hard, so I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, he's like on episode 712 or something. I, at this recording, it's like 267, 268. Holy Maybe smokes. even 269, dudes. 269, dudes. <laughs> oh. All right, folks. We're going to get out of here. We will see you next time. Later on, suckers. Suckers.